0: Please bow with me as we pray. Lord, we come to you again, once again, as we open ourselves up to you, and we just pray that as we listen this morning, that we would hear your word and be touched in such a way that we would go forth and do as you've commanded. For it's in your holy name that we pray. Amen. So by the time I leave today, y'all are probably going to think you're tired of hearing about love, but love is, is one of the most, if not the most important thing in the Bible. And two weeks ago, we started this sermon series based on 1 Corinthians with the words and the wisdom, a lot of it that I borrowed from uh, some of my preaching mentors, because I believe that as you learn things that others can benefit from, we need to share it. Um, you know, it's, it, there's a lot of preachers that are bothered that sometimes they may preach a sermon that they think will go into their greatest hits, and then nobody will ever hear it again. But anyway, we, we learned last week that Paul said that there was... A most excellent way. And he didn't just stop there. He said the most excellent way was the way of love. I want to go back and just refresh your memory just a little bit. In the first three verses, Paul said more love is more than any spiritual gifts, any knowledge, any faith, any generosity, or even a willingness to die for Christ Jesus. Because he said if we have all of that, but if we don't have love, we're nothing and we would be empty. And they would be as useless, if you remember, the analogy of a beating gong outside of a pagan temple. That the worshippers would gong to wake up the deities that they worship, so they would listen to them. We don't ever have to do that. But then he goes on to verse 4 and Paul says, Love is patient. And that love has a long fuse. And love is slow to, to boil. And love um, counts down, if you would, before it blasts off and gets in anybody's face. And then he tells us love is kind. And that's what I want us to consider this morning. Kindness is love that's in action for us. Now, if you were describing the world today, um, would you describe it as a kind world? I think we would have trouble doing that, wouldn't we? And the answer would be no. I heard a story about a woman who uh, rode the bus every morning to work. One morning she was at the bus stop, and there was this gentleman that was... Wasn't in shabbily dressed, but wasn't dressed the best in the world. That was there every morning. She was there, and they kind of acknowledged each other, but never spoke. Well, she got there one morning, and she was standing there, and she was a little nervous because she just got her income tax refund checked, and she had a little money in her pocket, more than she normally did. So she was anxious, but she looked around, and she noticed this guy, and a man walked up to him and whispered in his ear and handed him some money. And she was moved. She was touched by that act of kindness. So she decided to do the same. So in a burst of generosity, she took a $10 bill out of her purse and she went up, she handed it to the man and whispered in his ear, oh so gently, never despair. Never despair. The next day when she came back to the bus stop, there was that same man again. This time he walked up to her and he handed her $110. And dumbfounded, found it, she said, What's this? He said, You won, lady. Never despair. Paid 10 to 1. (laughs) Well, now I'm not going to promise that every act of kindness that we do is going to pay 10 to 1 ever. Because at times, most times, kindness costs us something. And it was on our part. So, with that in mind, I want to look this morning to two of the greatest examples of kindness. That we find in the Bible that Joanne read for us. Found in Luke verses 8, 40 to 56. And here we see Jesus showing kindness to two people who are entirely different. They're a different place in life. They have a different perspective on life. And they have different needs. One is a man. And the other is a woman. One is an outcast. Somebody that's poor and unknown. The other is rich. Influential and he's a ruler of a synagogue, and yet Jesus treats both of them with equal kindness and equal compassion. By the time that we're reading this story, Jesus has gained a great deal of fame and he was at the pinnacle of his popularity. Everybody knew who Jesus was. They were talking about the great prophet and the the ruler that was coming around. And they respected him as a healer and a teacher. And even though a lot of people didn't recognize him as the son of God, crowds were swarming around him everywhere he went. But despite this popularity, despite the crowds constantly pushing in and around on him, and despite all the demands of his time, Jesus, in his kindness, would stop and take care of everybody that needed his help. And he would help meet their needs syndicated columnist one time he said love talked about is easily ignored but love demonstrated is irresistible jesus not only talked about love and kindness but he modeled it for us too you may have heard me say this before one of the one of the greatest quotes that i love came from saint francis of assisi and he told us he said preach a sermon every day but only use words if you must Live your life in such a way that the kindness and the love shows through and people will know that you're a Christian. So I want to look at the ways this morning that Jesus showed us kindness and how he showed it to them. First off, Jesus expressed kindness by listening to them. Listening is one of the most important things that we can do for people. And I learned that lesson a long time ago. I think it was about 17 years ago, our grandson... Graham is fixing to be 22 in May. And, and some of you may have seen on Facebook. Some of you may not know. I love flowers. I, I love to work in a yard. And I love our birds. Pam and I live on a farm, and we have a great big magnolia tree in the front yard. And we feed birds there and in the back. And every day, we have hundreds of songbirds. We just go out, and we sit out, and we listen. And they're always present. Except... In the spring, when those blackbirds move in. (laughs) There's a little disdain in my voice, I know, because I won't say I hate them, but I strongly dislike them. And they come sweeping in, and they take over everything. Well, we were sitting on our deck one spring day, and Graham and Hallie were over there with us. And our deck overlooks our uh, backyard. It's actually at a lower level. And we were listening to the birds, and we were talking, and we were doing everything. And the blackbirds moved in. Pam could see the look on my face, because to get on our deck, you come through our utility room. And I kept, safely away from people, a pistol loaded with rat shot. I never shot the birds, but I would go out, and I'd fire off a couple rounds, and they would leave. Make me happy. Well, we were out there with the kids, and birds came in. Well, I stood up, and I ran for the door. Pam gave me a hard look. She knew where I was going. And I stepped out the door with my pistol kind of behind my back, and Graham didn't see it. And he said, Big Daddy. I said, what? Probably said it just like that. What? He said, listen. I said, what? He said, Big Daddy, listen. I said, listen to what? He said, the birds. I said, I hear them. He said, They're singing, Jesus Loves Me. (laughs) Pam didn't bat an eye, and she looked at me and says, shoot him now, Big Daddy. (laughs) Well, we we have to listen, right? And that was a great lesson to me in listening. Um, Somebody once said the reason that God gave us two ears and one mouth is so that we can listen twice as much as we speak, right? If we could only learn that lesson. Well, Jesus expressed kindness by listening to people, and I think we can all do that, because if we listen, we can pay attention to their needs. Um, in verses 40 42 that, that Joanne read, see, Jesus went and a crowd was expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, who was a ruler, who was over the synagogue, came up, and he fell at Jesus' feet, and he was pleading. He said, Jesus, my daughter is dying. And there were so many people around him that the crowds almost crushed in on Jesus. And, you know, we're not told where Jesus was going. We don't know. But probably he was going on his way to some open place where he could be seen and preach to many people, the crowds that were surging around him. Because that was something very important for him to do. But as soon as Jairus came and told him what was going on with his daughter, the next words were, and Jesus was on his way. Meaning he had seen the need, he had heard the need, he'd listened, and he had changed, and he thought that taking care of Jairus' daughter was much more important for whatever he had scheduled. By the way, how do you handle interruptions? Uh, some people work best when they can concentrate on one thing and see it through to completion. They don't normally do two or three things at one time. So they're concentrating. When somebody interrupts them, they consider that as an intrusion, right? We do not normally handle interruptions well. Or I don't sometimes, and maybe you don't either. But I think as you get older, hopefully we learn that sometimes interruptions are sent by God. Because they're opportunities that He gives to us to minister that we would miss if we ignored them. If you just just on with your project or whatever you're doing and you don't allow yourself to be interrupted and you aren't flexible enough to listen to what God has to say and change directions, um, you're, you're in trouble. God is trying to reach us in those times. Well, Jesus didn't mind being interrupted. And he paid attention to what Jairus had to say. And he changed his plans, and he changed his direction. But Jairus was not the only interruption. Jesus was flexible, and he was kind enough to pause and meet another need as they were on the way to Jairus' house, as we're told in verses 43 to 46. said, a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but nobody could heal her. She came up behind Jesus. And as Philip said, she just touched, I can just see her barely touching the hem or the edge of his cloak and immediately her bleeding stopped. And Jesus turned around and I can just see him saying, who touched me? And Peter, well, we all love old Peter and Peter can just be out there sometimes. I can just hear Peter saying like this, Jesus, what are you talking about? This is a big crowd of people everywhere and they're all pressing against you. How do we we know who touched you? And Jesus said, someone touched me. I know because his power has gone out from me. So there were crowds around them, and everyone was in a hurry. Yet Jesus was able to differentiate between the touch of the crowd and the touch of someone in need. Sometimes in our lives we're in crowds and we overlook that one person that reaches out to us that needs help, don't we? We're called to do that through the love of Christ. Now, I mentioned earlier the world. As I thought about this, our world is becoming more and more impersonal every day. Now, I'm going to digress a minute and take you back to a point where I was in high school. I worked for Martin Oil Company. It was a service station on 82 that was between Dylan R's and the J&H restaurant. And we serviced cars back then. We were required to have two of us meet every car that came up. One started the gas, one opened the hood, checked the oil, checked the filler and the, uh, the windshield wipers. When you got the gas started, you went around and you checked all the oil and the tires and cleaned the windshield. Service. We would do that. What happens today if you go to get gas? Chances are you don't even see anybody, right? Uh, you hear a, You pull up, you stick your card in, you get your gas, you go on, you may not see another human being. The bank is getting that way. Now, I don't want to offend any bankers in the audience anywhere, but the bank is getting that way. We don't see people. I don't know if any of you have flown recently or not, but it's true with the airlines, too. When you go to a big airport, a lot of times you don't even have to go see the person at the check-in gate. You go up there, and there's a kiosk there, and you push it, one, for arriving flights, and then you push two uh, for your flight. If you know your flight number, you put it in, and it tells you where to go and what time to be there and what time your flight's taken on. You don't have to talk to another individual, living, breathing, or human or otherwise. They have guys that will even take your luggage at that point and go forward. It's an impersonal world. I remember years ago, Reverend Dr. Newland said this to me or to a class. He said, he said can you imagine what would happen if 911 became as impersonal as the world is today? You call 9-1 when you hear if your emergency is a murder, press 1. If it's a burglary, press 2. If the burglar is still in the house, press 3. And if he has a gun, press 4 real quick. (laughs) may not be out of the ordinary. I mean, obviously it may be coming. I don't know what we in this world are coming to. To you, it's become an impersonal world. But Jesus took time when any time, every time somebody needed him to stop. And in the midst of the crowd, he stopped because of this woman's attention, because she needed him. He expressed kindness by being considerate of others. When we look at verse back at verses 47 to 48 that was read, say so then the woman seeing that she couldn't go and notice what she do, she came and she fell trembling at the feet of Jesus. I don't want a show of hands, but when's the last time that you came trembling? And fell at the feet of Jesus, knowing that he could fulfill your needs. And could heal you no matter what the situation was. And in the presence of all these people, Jesus ignored all of them. And he said, she touched me and instantly I felt the power going out. And then what did he say? Daughter, you are healed because of your faith. Go in peace. Now the backside of this story is that you have to realize that because of her disease she was considered unclean and therefore she was an outcast she would have been treated no different than a leper so because of that she had probably not had a conversation with anyone she had not been able to be with her family for 12 years and her self-esteem had to have been as low as it could be getting right so I think Jesus surprised her, first of all, by stopping and listening to her story of woe. And and I think we get a very, this is the gospel according to Curtis, but I think we get a very condensed version of that story. I mean, this is probably the first time in a long time that she'd really had anyone's attention. And she had Jesus' full, undivided attention. So, I feel sure that she talked more. I can imagine her pouring out her heart to him, and Jesus listened And by listening and by looking at her and by paying attention as to what she was and where she was, he displayed real kindness. So I don't want to put you on the spot this morning, but I'm going to ask you, you are a good listener. Because at times, most of us are probably not. Um, We pass each other and say, how are you? And we expect to see, I'm fine. And we cringe if somebody really starts to tell us how they are, right? Because we're scared that we've asked the wrong person and we're gonna be there 20 minutes and they're gonna pour their heart out to us about everything going on wrong in their lives. Think about that the next time you say, how are you? Expect to respond to the answer you get. I don't think we take time to listen, do we? Whether it's in our homes, whether it's in our place of worship sometimes, whether it's at work, whether it's with family. Now, I'm a big fan of Irma Bombeck. She told a story once that she was so tired of listening. That was her life, listening to people. She said she had just listened to her son tell in minute detail about a movie he had just seen and punctuated that story with at least a thousand, you know, and okay. She said, I was tired of it. She received several phone calls that day, and she said people just drained her. And she was excited when the last caller hung up because she had to rush to the airport. She said, I got in a taxi cab, and as the taxi cab driver took off the airport, she said he immediately started talking. And he told me this long story about his son had won a scholarship to college and how he's making straight A's. And she said, I had to sit there and listen to every bit of it because I was a captive in his cab. Got to the airport and I realized I've got thirty minutes. I can go over here and I can just sit and sigh relief and say, This 30 minutes, I don't have to listen to anybody. I can just sit there and I can read my book and nobody will bother me. And she said, No sooner had she sat down than this elderly lady came in and sat down by her and looked at her and says, I bet it's cold in Chicago. That's where they were headed. And Irma said, I didn't even look up from a book. She said, I suppose. So the lady just kept talking. She said, I had not been to Chicago in three years. My son lives there. Irma said, that's nice. And then the woman continued, my husband's body is on this plane. We were married for 53 years. And I don't drive, you see. And the funeral director was so nice to me and so kind. And he drove me to the airport today. And Irma said, I remember her voice drawn on and on. And here was a woman who didn't want money or advice or counsel. All she wanted was somebody to listen to her. Even if it was a stranger, she needed to be heard. She said, we walked together out to the plane. And as we got on the plane and the plane was boarding, she said, we walked. And um, I sat down from her in another section. But she said, I got up to hang my coat up. And I heard her say to the person next to her, I bet it's cold in Chicago. We laugh. But think about that. Think about how bad she just needed somebody to hear her story. See, there's so many of us that just need somebody, anybody. We need somebody to listen, just to focus on us and to listen to what we have to say. And Jesus did so that day. Jesus also expressed his kindness and love through an understanding spirit in verses 49 to 56 it says while Jesus was still speaking someone came from the house of Jairus and said your daughter's dead don't bother this teacher anymore just back off no need to bother him. she's dead and hearing this what did Jesus tell Jairus he said don't be afraid just believe and she will be healed an important part of this is when he went to the house of Jairus and went into the daughter's room. He only let Peter, James, and John and the child's mother and father go in the room with him. Meanwhile, all the people were outside. They were wailing and they were mourning for her. And and Jesus addressed them. He said, stop wailing. Stop crying. She's not dead. She's asleep. And they laughed at him because they just knew she was dead. But he went in and he took her by the hand and he said, My child, get up. And her spirit returned, and once again she stood up. That's the power of Jesus. Philip reminded us about this more. All powerful Jesus. I heard an old preacher tell me one time that uh, the story of Lazarus being raised from the dead. And he said, Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. And he said, I was so glad, and probably the people back then were really glad, he specifically called Lazarus by name, because if he had just said, come forth, the whole cemetery would have emptied. (laughs) Think about it. He has that kind of power. Well, Jesus told them to give her something to eat, and her parents were astonished. But he ordered them not to tell anyone. And I want to concentrate on that just a minute, because the miracle is exceptional, and we do praise God for it. But when it was over, Jesus said, don't tell anyone what has happened. And I thought about that long and hard. Because there are four words, some of the most disturbing words in the English language are four words that we like to speak, but we hate to hear. I told you something. Now, obviously I'm not Jesus and it's a good thing I wasn't there. Because I would have taken that little girl by the hand if I was Jesus, and I'd walk down that crowd and I'd say, I told you so. You wouldn't listen to me, but I told you so. Look at her. She's, she's not dead. She's been raised from the dead. But he didn't do that because he's Jesus. He's not Curtis. He was concerned about how the people that mocked him felt. And he didn't even try to get even with them, did he? He didn't even try to get back at them. He didn't try to glorify himself. By pointing out what he had done. Instead, in kindness, he just said to the parents, don't tell anyone what has happened here. Sometimes it's not so much about what you say, but it's how you show it. And that's what he did. I had an old preacher say one time, I've never had, an op- had to apologize for my position, but I've had to apologize lots of times for my disposition. Have you ever had to apologize for your disposition? There's another story that I really love. You may have heard this one about the six foot ten cowboy. He walked into McDonald's counter and there was a young lady behind the counter and he slammed his fist down on that counter and he said, I want half a big Mac. She said, What? I want half a big Mac and I want it now. Well, not being sure what to do, she said, Excuse me a minute. And she headed over to her manager, not realizing the man was following her. She got to her manager and says, "There's a big klutz over there who's dumber than dirt. And he just ordered half a big mat." And about that time, she noticed that he was behind her, and she quickly said, "And this gentleman wants the other half." <laughs> See, sometimes you're going to be put on the spot, and what you say is important, very important. But how you say it can be even more important. The fact that Jesus did not want to embarrass those who had been mocking him or even get even even with him, that speaks volumes. And it teaches us how we're supposed to respond to each other too. With kindness, with love. There were some construction workers who were working on a new high-rise on the third floor. There was a children's hospital right across the road. This is a true story. And one day they noticed that there was a little girl in the window holding up a poster board that says, My name is Lisa. What are your names? Next day they got some poster board and they came back and one of them said, My name is Bob. My name is Bill. My name is Harry. How old are you? And she said, I'm seven years old. How old are you? And this went back on for back and forth for several days. And one day they noticed Lisa was not in her regular place by the window. So at break time, one of the gentlemen went over and got a phone and he called up to the nurse on the third floor and told him who he was. They had sent, sent her flowers before, too, and that she loved it. And, and the nurse told him, well, she's in intensive care and she's not doing well. Um, Several days passed, and then another sign appeared in the window. Lisa passed away. Thank you for caring. She loved your kindness, and so do we. Love in action is kindness. And that's what love's got to do with it. Everything that we do comes back to love from Christ Jesus passed on to us. We need to learn to be kind to one another just as God has been kind through Jesus Christ. And he offered to him as a sacrifice for our sins. As we end this series and we go forth, remember that. If you don't remember anything from the last three weeks, remember that Jesus loves you more than anybody or anything in the world. But he commanded us, love one another just as I have loved you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We're going to be singing this morning, uh, Jesus Paid It All. As Jackson and Philip come up to lead us. This morning I want to give you the opportunity to respond. You may not feel led to, but if you feel like you want to pray for whatever reason, uh, I invite you to come up, just take a moment to pray. If you're ready to give your life over to God and you haven't done that, we encourage you to do that. It's It's never too soon or too quick that you can do that. But if you would come for whatever reason, if you would come as we sing.